I'm Charles Ring with Rings Brothers Farms in St. Paul, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, cotton insurance deadlines have now passed for Texas farmers. So what will they plant now? We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Cattle feeders in the Texas High Plains are enjoying a level of profitability they haven't experienced in almost a decade. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Livestock grazing conditions are still being hampered by very dry and drought conditions in the Texas Hill Country and West Texas. The eastern and southern part of the state are looking good as summer begins. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. We have had favorable weather for most of us in Central Texas. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Massive rains across West Texas have delayed cotton planting, and the final cotton planting insurance deadline is now past us. So what will farmers turn to now? We asked that question to BASF agronomist Adam Hickson in Lubbock. I think there's going to be a mixed bag of crops going in. I mean, they're definitely going to make a switch from cotton to those grain crops. Or I'm hearing a lot of forage sorghum going in, sorghum silage, even uh, late season corn. You can get some of those short season corn uh, hybrids that will uh, still be able to plant and even take the grain. Um, But I see a switch to silage, forage sorghum, things like that uh, really occurring. Hickson says another challenge the recent rain brought is the massive flush of weeds that will require some quick timing to control. Over 1,500 high school 4-H members attended the Texas 4-H Roundup recently in College Station. Another 2,000 parents, volunteers, donors, and other supporters were there, making it the largest 4-H gathering in the country. The Texas 4-H Roundup is an annual invitational and qualifying event for 4-H senior members who placed in a district-level contest or signed up to compete in one of its invitational events. 242 scholarships were awarded to 4-H members throughout the state. It's the largest 4-H scholarship program in the nation, and members were awarded just over $2.7 million in scholarships at the event. Water is the biggest limiting factor for crop and livestock production in Texas, with the Panhandle and Southern Plains heavily dependent on the Ogallala Aquifer for irrigation. But the water level in the aquifer continues to drop, with as much as a 1.3-foot drop in the last five years. 
In response to that, the Texas legislature passed a bill to fund efforts to find alternative sources of water. According to Texas Farm Bureau Associate Director of Governmental Affairs, Billy Howe. Senator Perry passed legislation and there will also be a constitutional amendment creating a new water infrastructure fund, which is going to be huge because that fund's really going to focus a billion dollars towards non-traditional sources of water. They're looking at cleaning up the produced water from the oil field and also about doing more desalination projects with both seawater and brackish groundwater. The Ogallala Aquifer is not naturally refilling from precipitation nearly as fast as the water is being taken out. According to the National Climate Assessment, the groundwater is being pumped for irrigation 10 times faster than it can be refilled from rain or snow. Cattle feeders on the Texas High Plains are enjoying a level of profitability that they haven't seen in almost a decade. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. Taking a look at where fed cattle have been lately in the cash market, area cattle feeders were able to get an average $1.85 a pound two weeks ago, and last week the average was $1.82. So a little dip week to week, but still a good place to be, according to Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association. If you see a 185 to 182 on a cash basis coming out of the feed yard, that relates to being about 250 to $300 on the profitability side. That's 250 to $300 per head profit. Miller says feed yards have not enjoyed this kind of profitability since the last time the cattle business was coming out of a drought back in 2014 and 15. But the very next year in 2016, we gave every bit of that back plus some. Yes, there's the warning. The profits being collected by cattle feeders now are threatened down the road by rising feeder cattle prices. Here's what Miller says the outlook is for calves being purchased by feed yards today, the ones that will be sold to packers about six months from now. You're looking at about a $50 loss. So you got to take the good with the bad and you got to be diligent on how you buy these animals and then your marketing scheme moving forward. But for right now, Miller says sales of fed cattle to packers are pretty brisk with consumer demand remaining strong, even with beef prices rising. I think that is a testimonial to the product and to the quality of the product that is being produced today. Brady Miller also says TCFA estimates the number of cattle on feed in the three-state area of Texas, Oklahoma, and New Mexico is 5% lower than a year ago. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We have had a wet spring in most of Texas, but not everywhere. Tom Nicoletti tells us now that summer is officially underway, it's very hot, and it's getting dry quickly. My guest in the Waco studio is Tracy Tomasic. He is Texas Farm Bureau Livestock Specialist. And uh, Tracy, as we look at the uh, Texas drought monitor as summer begins, certainly uh, much improvement, but the hill country is still looking like it's extremely dry. What are you hearing about uh, the conditions out there for livestock producers? Thanks, Tom. And you're right. The farmers and ranchers out there in the heart of the hill country are still experiencing some extreme drought conditions. That severe long-term drought out there is going on over two years now. For most of those folks, even west of there, it seems like the drought from last year is just loitering around and, and, and lingering up until the here in the center part of, uh, of 2023. Those conditions out there really need to improve drastically. They want to get the opportunity to 
restore some forage and actually do a little bit of grazing through the end of this year. Still in West Texas and in the in the region of the Hill Country, it's extremely dry or still uh, abnormally dry. But there are other areas of the state that have received abundant rainfall during the springtime and uh, cattle conditions and grazing should be in pretty good shape. This is the first time in, in over a year now we can say uh, all of South Texas and vast majority of East Texas conditions are back to what we would consider normal. Stock tanks have water in them. Soil moisture is in really good in the vast majority of the eastern side of, uh, of the state. And that's allowed for uh, a lot of forage growth in the last couple of months. The guys that have put their tractor and their, their hay balers up over the last year have been able to get them out, get them greased up, and they're actually baling some hay this time around, uh, this summer. That's good news for everyone that raises livestock and manages land. That is Tracy Tomasic. He is Texas Farm Bureau Livestock Specialist. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Central Texas farmers have had favorable weather so far this year. Dr. Shane McClellan has an update from Waco. Our daytime temperatures have been mild through the first part of June. Our normal expected June average temperatures are 93 degrees. Now, we have had some 90-degree days in the month of May, but we've been, for the most part, cool. There have been numerous storm systems rolled through Central Texas, with most of them splitting and going around us. Now, we did have cloud cover that was accompanying most of those passing showers. The fact that some rain missed us is, is not a bad thing, as many of those storm systems had hail in them. We did have a hail storm come through the middle of McLennan County, and then we had another uh, kind of random one pop up here, here recently that did damage some really promising cornfields on the western side of McLennan County. The rains have been scattered in amounts very greatly across Blackland region. Most of us have received some timely rain for our crops. The rainfall deficit for the last 365 days has gotten closer to normal. On the western side of the county, we're still about negative 12 inches. And on the eastern side, around March, we're at positive 2 inches. I'm about to big change from last year's rain deficit. Wheat harvest has been underway in central Texas. Yields vary from anywhere 25 bushels to 80 bushels. A hessian fly, the lack of moisture early in the growing season, freeze damage, other factors have all played a role in reducing some of those yields in our wheat fields. Now, a lot of our fields are averaging 70 bushel wheat. That's good. With all the negative factors that we've had in play against wheat this past year in the growing season, how dry we were in the fall of 22 and early 23, 70 bushel wheat is really good. Corn continues to look very good, almost like a Midwest crop. Tall plants with good ears of corn. Corn and grain sorghum have the potential to be very good this year if Mother Nature will continue to allow it. It'll be interesting to see how many producers will cut corn for silage or if they will allow it to go through maturity and shell their corn. Cotton is finally getting some heat units in Central Texas. We really need some hot, dry days to boost cotton growth. Cotton is going to need a rain later in the growing season, but right now we need sunny days. A lot of hay has been cut in the few dry days we have had. There has been only two windows of opportunity to cut hay, allow it to dry, and then bale. The producers that did bale their hay, fertilized, and received another passing shower are really ahead of schedule and should get another cutting in about 20 days. I did notice on June 5th that all of our cool season forages are drying down, they're turning brown, and then our warm season forages are starting to dominate the landscape. Cool and wet weather has allowed our cool season forages to stay green much longer than normal. The hay cuttings that we've had so far have been mostly cool season forages, but now we're starting to cut more warm season forages. Until next time, this has been Dr. Sam McLellan for Waco for Texas Ag Today. A fishing trip could land you a brand new truck, boat, and trailer or college scholarship. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. Label changes have occurred on growth implants used in cattle. 
Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I just want to stay informed while I'm on the go. News on the radio, it's nice because it's just a quick snippet and I don't have to go searching for it or grab a paper. I listen to radio because anywhere that I'm going, I'm listening to music or I'm listening to a talk show or I'm just trying to stay up on current events. I always turn into the radio to see if I need to take shelter or where it's hitting to see what I need to be preparing for. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Label changes have occurred on growth implants used in cattle. Dr. Bob Judd says all beef producers will be affected by these changes. Bovine Veterinarian reports new guidance from the Food and Drug Administration Center for Veterinary Medicine has redefined beef production phases. And by redefining these production phases, the labels of growth implants are changing as these are classified as drugs. The new production phases are calves nursing their dams less than two months of age, calves nursing their dams two months of age or older, growing beef steers and heifers on pasture, which are usually stockers, growing beef steers and heifers in a dry lot, growing beef steers and heifers fed in a feedlot, and growing beef steers and heifers in a grow yard. Dr. Gerald Stockoff from North Dakota State indicates these changes are important because the new guidance will allow beef cattle to receive one implant for each production phase. Also, some cattle can receive more than one implant in the same production phase if the implant has a label claim allowing reimplantation. There are some implants with label information allowing reimplantation, but most do not have any information on the label about reimplantation. Dr. Carl Hoppe with North Dakota Extension indicates production phase four, which is growing beef steers and heifers in a dry lot, is a new production phase as these animals receive most of their nutrition from harvested forage. Since this is a new phase, there are currently no implants for this phase approved at this time. So because of these new changes, be sure and check the labels on the beef steroidal implants you're using to make sure that the implant you have chosen is allowed in the production phase in which you are using it. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A fishing trip could land you a brand new truck, boat, and trailer, or a college scholarship. Jessica Domel has the details in today's Wildlife Report. Three anglers recently cast their lines into the water and reeled in the catch of a lifetime, earning each of them a brand new pickup truck, boat, and trailer package. They won those prizes through the Coastal Conservation Association of Texas annual star tournament. Through this year's tournament, CCA Texas is giving away more than a million dollars in scholarships and prizes. The tournament is underway now and runs through Labor Day all along the Texas coast. Monday afternoon, star tournament director Bill Kinney confirmed that of the truck and boat packages that will be given away this year, three have already been claimed by anglers who have caught red-tagged redfish, clipped the tags, returned the fish to the water, and then turned in the tags. The first red-tagged redfish was caught by Michael Webb II at Bayport Terminal in Galveston. The second was caught by Russell Snyder in Pirate's Cove in Galveston. The name of the third winner has not yet been released. While these prizes have already been claimed, Assistant Tournament Director Ryan Towns said there are still chances for anglers to win, including two more truck, boat, and trailer packages. 
The 6th through the 10th anglers to catch a red-tagged redfish this year will take home a boat and trailer package. And there are three additional boat and trailer packages available to the first three anglers to reel in a redfish with a blue tag on it. While the redfish divisions are catch, clip, and release only, other divisions reward the anglers who reel in the heaviest fish in each category. Those divisions are sheep's head, gaff top, black drum, kingfish, dorado, ling, and snapper. You can enter, see this year's prizes, and the rules at startournament.org. That is startournament.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Corn climbed higher while feeder cattle dropped lower. We'll check out all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I typically listen here at work from my desk on my way to work in the morning. When we wake up, it goes on the radio. I can hear a song and be instantly transported back to a time in my life that I enjoy remembering. I think that's what I like listening to radio for is just to stay informed on whether it's news, sports, new music, anything. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a mixed close in the cattle complex on Wednesday, had a big run-up in the corn market, and that tends to push cattle prices lower. Live cattle finished mixed with the nearby's higher deferreds lower. June live cattle up 12, 177.25. The August up 5, 169.75. With October live cattle down 50 cents, 172.95. Feeder cattle got hit the hardest from the jump in corn. August feeders dropped 442 to close at 227.72. September down 420, 231.42, with October feeder cattle down 387, 233.90. Cash fed cattle market still mostly quiet. We have seen some very light sales here in the Southern Plains at 180. That's two bucks lower compared to last week. In the North, very limited sales at 184 live. That is one to two bucks lower. Boxed beef prices lower Wednesday. Choice down 258 at 334.33. Select down 228, 305.65. Now let's check the livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Riley Roads, Live Oak Livestock, Three Rivers. How was your Monday sale? Sale was good. The market was pretty good. Uh, kind of held steady, I thought. Uh, packer cows were a little bit higher. Uh, calves were probably a little cheaper, three to six in some places, um, and that's mostly due to the all of the fat body condition, the new crop calves, and this uh, hot weather we're having. Uh, people uh, kind of took off for the, some of those fat calves a little bit, but ended up with 924 head today. Uh, did have a few stocker cows. Uh, those pairs brought from 12 and a quarter up 1875. Had some bread cows that brought from 1,000 up to 1650. Packer cows, like I said, a couple dollars higher on them, 106 to 112 on your high yielding cows. A dollar to dollar eight on your breakers and 68.86 on your canners. Packer bulls uh, about the same, 118 to 124 on your high yielding bulls, 112 to 118 on the medium yielding, and 104 to 112 on the low uh, low yielding. Two to three weight choice steers, 278 to 302. Heifer mates 252 to 288. The three to four weight choice steers, 280 to 302. Heifer mates 236 to 274. Four to five weight choice steers, 252 to 288. Heifer mates 224 to 254. Five to six weight choice steers, 234 to 272. Heifer mates 216. 
215 to 238, 6 to 7 weight choice deer 214 to 236, uh, heifer mates 190 to 216, and the 7 to 8 weight cattle your choice deer is 190 to 212, and the heifer mates 172 to 194. So got along good, uh, you know, a, a little bit less volume what we had, uh, Father's Day weekend and hot weather, uh, you know, kind of kind of played into the market and the, and the volume this week. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for that next week's sale. 361-786-2553 is the office. 361-813-6650 is my cell. Uh, LiveOakGlass.com is the web. Riley, thank you very much. And Texas listeners, thank you very much also. You've been listening to Walk in the Pens on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. You're listening right now on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now. Earning hogs were lower in Wednesday's trade. The July contract down $1.10, $94.75. August lean hogs down 42 at 92.77. Class 3 milk was higher. June milk up a penny, 14.95 a hundred weight, with July milk up 39, 15.76 a hundred. The cotton market closed lower. Now, normally when you see lower U.S. dollar as well as a rise in energy and grain prices, you usually see a higher close in the cotton market. That was not the case yesterday. The market ignoring the fundamental factors and closing lower with July dropping 135 points, 79.31. The lightly traded October down 63 points at 82.11. December cotton down 18 at 80.52 cents. And we've already mentioned that big rise in the corn market. USDA came out with their weekly crop ratings on Tuesday, showing that 55% of the U.S. corn crop is rated good to excellent. That is a six percentage point drop from the previous week, and it's the lowest good to excellent rating for this date that we've seen since 1988. And as a result, we've seen massive jumps in the corn market recently. The latest one on Wednesday, July contract up 27 and a quarter, 671 a bushel. September corn up 30 and a half at 623 and a half. December corn up 31 and a quarter, 628 and three quarters. Wheat market along for the ride, getting support from that rise in corn prices. July Kansas City wheat up 37 and three quarters, 873 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat up 38 and three quarters to close at 734 and a half. In the energy markets, July natural gas up eight cents, two fifty-eight. August West Texas crude up a dollar thirty-five, seventy-two fifty-four a barrel. The financial market slightly lower Wednesday afternoon. The Dow was down thirteen points at thirty-four thousand forty. The Nasdaq down ninety-nine, thirteen thousand five sixty-seven. The S and P down nine at four thousand three seventy-nine. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or dfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.